Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. Excited. I'm excited. Today I want to ask the question, what is your name in Breakthrough? And we've been talking about, if you've ever noticed, about Breakthrough for the last three weeks. Um, God was just actually prepping my heart for um, for what Breakthrough is. And um, where Shirley, Shirley gave me a book on Breakthrough as I was just getting my heart. It just came at the right time. Here it is. We're going to make some declarations out of it. It's called, a book. It's called Breakthrough by Sean Bolt. It's just prophecies, prayers, and declarations. So I want to encourage you, download it, grab it on the Kindle, order it wherever you can. And really, when you're in different seasons, you can just make declarations um, uh, out of that. So we've got quite a bit happening today after the um, service, or just as the service ends, once we've caught Brendan, um, we, <laughs> we're, we're going to do communion. Um, so I'm ready for communion this, after, or the, this afternoon, um, now now. And um, and then this, just after the service, if you've come for prophetic ministry, um, just come and meet up here. The, the prophetic team will meet you and organize you and get prophesying. So I'm just excited for for what's happening and what's taking place. Um, all right. So what Harry just said about the diamond and um, the marriage is in breakthrough really breakthrough can only happen in relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a church, it can only happen in marriage with Jesus, which is why he calls us his bride. And the church is his bride. Revelations 21 just says, I see the new bride adorned in jewels, radiating like you know light and white, and it's descending out of heaven. And so that's really what God has been doing if you can picture that through time, he has been descending more and greater revelations of who he is. And he's been descending, if I can put it that way, greater revelation into who we are. And as Paul says, there's this mystery that hasn't been revealed even before time. I mean, even before Jesus Christ, there, there was a certain mystery which had not been revealed and that's what has descended, which is why Jesus says, pray on earth that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this way that is descending that transforms us. And so that's how the bride of Christ descended. Are you with me? How many of you are waiting for end days? Can I just see? Okay. In this church, we don't wait for end times. At all, okay? Because we are. <laughs> uh, and God created us for here and now. God didn't create anyone here for eternity. Although you will live in eternity, He created you, your flesh. Your, right? So I, I, I teach our people that there was a belief called Gnosticism that came in, um, which was the belief that anything physical is evil and anything spiritual is good. And that infiltrated into church teaching. And so we had this belief that what we see physically is bad. And so we're waiting for end times before we actually see what is good. 
Are you with me? How many of you have believed any part of that? I know I did as growing up, all right? So we've been set free. Thank you, Jesus, for a completely new understanding of the mystery, which is that Gentiles <laughs> were given equal, equal inheritance. And so there is now no more Jew or Gentile or you name it. There is those who believe in Jesus Christ who are now the bride of Christ. And we're adorned with that diamond that Harry was prophesying. So in breakthrough, there has to be a change. You have to take on a completely new identity. And so the last two weeks, we spoke about the fact that as you enter into breakthrough, sometimes we're tempted to be prematurely relieved. Okay? And so as in Jericho, <laughs> he came in and there was a guy who came in and he saw the gold and the silver and the jewelry and he was tempted in that moment to take for himself when God said don't. The, the, the value of that is that when he took his eyes off of Jesus Christ and he focused on the wealth that he could grab in that moment, he lost sight of the rest of the promised land. So there was breakthrough into Jericho and then he lost sight of what lay in the future. All right? Are you with me? Is everyone on track? We Rudolf and I were at a conference where the guy kept saying, you're tracking? You're tracking? All right? <laughs> and and so, so what happened is then once you lose sight of the promised land, you lose your ability to withstand the enemy because you've been tempted even in your breakthrough. So watch out for premature relief. Your next big breakthrough isn't the moment where you just go, oh, lacquer. <laughs> There's a promised land beyond that. And your current breakthrough enables you to take the next breakthrough and the next breakthrough. And something happens in us as Christians when we start to celebrate each breakthrough as a journey to a greater breakthrough. We're always looking way beyond then the next six months, then the next year. Which means our entire behavior changes and we behave completely differently. <laughs> so that we're strengthened. We celebrate trials. Count it joy when you face trial and tribulation. Why? So that the trials may produce patience, so that patience produces character, so that character produces Maturity. And that's where we're going. All right, so that was an unplanned intro, all for free. Um, all right, so Mark 10, verse 2. Jesus left Capernaum and went to the region of Judea and beyond, and crowds constantly gathered around about him. And as was his custom, he began to teach them. How many of you, when you leave the door, there's going to be a crowd gathering around you? Show of hands. All right. All right. What's wrong? Okay. See, so Jesus would walk around and crowds would gather around him. It speaks about the influence that he had. And then, as was his custom, he would start to teach them. 
Daniel uh, 11.33 says, And they who are wise and understanding among the people shall instruct many. And I just had this realization in the last couple of months, and I know I get to share a lot in front here, but outside of the space, I don't actually get to share a lot. And God did something in my heart where he said, regardless of the circumstance you're in, if you're wise, you'll have a heart to instruct many. So we say, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching him about Jesus and baptizing him. But there's more to that in that if you're wise and you've learned things in life, you get to share and instruct to many. Part of breakthrough is having a spirit of influence. See, once you've broken through something, you suddenly have the ability to help others to break through the same things. You get given authority in that area. And so breakthrough is not just for you, it's for the people you get to influence through your breakthrough. Yeah? <laughs> you get given a name in that breakthrough. You are known for this breakthrough. And so what God wants to do is he wants to stir in us that desire to influence and breakthrough. Influence in breakthrough. As Jesus did. Okay. And Ephesians 3 verse 10 just says the purpose is that through the church, and this, this is one of my favorite scriptures really in the Bible. It says that through the church, Ephesians 3 verse 10, the purpose of this influence is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety, innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities in the heavenly sphere. And uh, I've read that verse a lot, like, you know, the purposes, and then you sort of get lost in all the words in the Amplified Bible, and you're quickly like scanning on to, oh, look, there's a highlighted green section further down, you know, and you quickly read that piece. And I thought about the implications of what it says. It says, it's basically saying, if you read further up in Ephesians 2, the mystery of who we are has been made known for the first time. And the purpose of that is, is that the church, you and me, look at the person next to you. There we go. So I'm the prettiest church you've ever seen. Here we go, Eugene, just say it. Just say it out loud, Eugene, you can. Here we go. <laughs> You as the church, we as the church display God's many-faceted wisdom to who? To the angelic realm. Whoa. All right, so it's a bit swapped around, right? We're, we're hoping to see angels to understand who God is, but God has put us on earth to display who he is to the angelic realm. Okay, and that's like, what? <laughs> so now what do I do? 
And in it, each one of us carry the ability to discover something different about God. And each one of our life stories display a different side of God's wisdom. And every single one of you, when, when we live, every single one of us, when we live absolutely according to the word of God, we get to tell an incredible story of God's wisdom. Is that good? So you, you've got a challenge ahead of you, right? And you don't have to go, oh, I don't like this challenge. Oh. You go, this is an opportunity to discover a new aspect of who God is. And God is going to bring breakthrough in my challenge in a completely different way than what he ever has before. And my life gets to tell that story. I get to tell a brand new story. Yeah, that's just, just let that sink in for a moment. <laughs> you get to display something, an aspect of God that has never been displayed in history before. Never. And I realize we spend so much time looking at the men of old and their inspiring stories. And we're hoping to do it exactly the same way. But God is saying, I am doing something in your life which has never happened before. Has never been repeated before. It's going to happen first in your life. Yo, wow. Wow. And then I got to Hebrews 12 and, and it says, Therefore, then since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. So I linked these two scriptures together. Because if the church is supposed to display God's many facet wisdom to the angelic realm, then it says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And who are these witnesses? Who are they? <laughs> the saints that are sleeping. Okay? Fast asleep. But they're witnessing. And if you read Hebrews 12, it, you can't read Hebrews without reading the chapter before it. Hebrews doesn't make sense unless you read the whole book in one go. You, like if you read Hebrews 12 verse 10, you have to read Hebrews 1 verse 1 all the way to there to understand that verse. That's how Hebrews is written. So Hebrews 11 says, faith is the evidence of things unseen. And then it gives a description of who lived by faith. And then it pretty much lists all of the heroes in the Bible. And the, guy say, the, the writer, the author says, and I don't have time to write about everyone else, who all lived sustained by their faith but died without reaching what was promised them. Also that they, also that what needs to be 
released in our lives could be saved for our time. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, so now they're watching and they're going, what is God going to do in your life so that I can better understand God? Because what he's doing in your life is the missing picture, piece to my understanding of the fullness of God. And that's really why the church is so privileged, because we get the opportunity to watch each other's lives. And so when something happens in someone else's life, we get to understand more of who Jesus is. You're not just surrounded by a cloud of witnesses in the heavenlies. You're surrounded by a cloud of living witnesses. All watching. And so all of us need to be in that place where we're breaking through into breakthrough. So that we all have a testimony and a story to tell. Because without your testimony, I don't understand the fullness of God. Hello? You feel a bit of pressure, you know? Pressure to testify. <laughs> so it's not about the testifying. It's about the pressing through in breakthrough and trusting God for your breakthrough. So we spoke about how if you're not tempted for premature relief in your breakthrough, then you will be able to withstand the next challenge, the next enemy, the next attack that comes your way. In verse 2 of Mark 10, it says, And some Pharisees came up. So Jesus attracted a crowd in his influence, and then he also attracted some flies. All right? And it says, And some Pharisees came up. Pharisee is just a fancy word for a fly. I'm just kidding. You can zap some Pharisees in the kitchen. And in order to test them and try to find... Listen, listen. There's actually... Bill Johnson talks about the spirit of Beelzebub. The Lord of the Flies. And he tells a story about how he went on a camping trip and on their way or a holiday or whatever and when they came back home there was a very bad smell coming from the garage before they could pull in they didn't understand and basically they'd been on a hunting trip in the hunting season and there was meat and it shot a bear as well so there was a full bear skin you name it, all packaged very nicely in the freezer. And uh, electricity went off for two weeks while they were away. And they get back to the freezer of death, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but what blew his mind was the fact that the flies could get in into every part, regardless of how well it was packaged and sealed and closed off. And that's really what the Lord of the Flies is, he said. He suddenly realized that 
The enemy tests every weakness. He's poking at every little pore. He wants to get into the parts of your soul that have any form of weakness. How many of you know you'll never be without a test? You'll never be without a trial. Amen. Say amen. Yes. Awesome. Okay, count it joy when you're right. We've already established that. All right, so I said that and everyone goes solemn, like, hmm. Okay. (laughs) You will always be tested. The premature relief you're looking for says, I'm not going to be tested anymore. You have to have the heart that says, I'm ready for it. I'm going to take it on. How many of you have ever seen a cricketer go out, walk up as an opening batsman, stand, and when the fast bowler comes, he's like, no. I didn't want you to bowl fast. No, no, he wants to be tested. He wants his practice and his skill to be on display. Because when he gets it right, he demonstrates that he's an overcomer. And it's the same. Your spirit needs to overcome to be alive. You need to skillfully overcome, demonstrating God's wisdom. And so here's Jesus and the Pharisees come and they want to test him and try and find a weakness. Looking for the hole, Lord of the flies, the maggots. And they ask him, is it lawful for a man to dismiss and repudiate and divorce his wife? See, if he had given into temptation in the wilderness, Jesus would have given into the temptation there too. But Jesus had already withstood tremendous temptation. He was ministering after spending 30 years being tempted in every way that man has been tempted. And he had overcome every form of temptation. So when his weakness was being tested, there was no way of breaking through. And they test him on a sticky question. And Jesus, (laughs) he says, what did Moses command you? And they replied, well, Moses allowed a man to write a bill of divorce and put it away. And carry the second part of your prophecy. But Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, your condition of insensibility to the call of God. Man, when I read that in the Amplified, hardness of heart is actually an insensitivity to the call of God. Hardness of heart is being insensitive to what God is saying. Not able to receive, not able to hear it, not able to pick it. You've got to be, you've got to have your feelers out constantly waiting, constantly listening, constantly ready to move and act because of the voice of God. And so Jesus is tempted and, and and he says it's because of your hardness that, that Moses had to write that law. It's because of your inability to accept God's word that that law had to be written. Because without it, you would have just died. But he says, while you're... Um, well, let's, let's read Hebrews 12. 
before I go there. Hebrews 12, 16. Oh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm going to just move around, but I'm going to shuffle this. Jesus is like, while you're on that subject, <clears throat> so I didn't plan to speak about this today, but seeing as though you asked, seeing as though you tried to tempt me and find a weakness in my theology, <laughs> let me tell you what God says. And he says, from the beginning of creation, God made them man, male, and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they will cleave closely. And the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has united, let not man separate or divide. And I can get stuck on those lines, but the context of what God is saying is from the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation, God named you. And he created you in a specific and in a certain way. And you cannot undo what God has created. And this is where I just realized that God is giving us a name in breakthrough. And that no trial or tribulation can undo the fabric of who you are. None. Zero. And I think the greatest fear we have when facing challenge or breakthrough is that somehow we're going to get undone. Like somehow we're going to break. And somehow we're going to be a different something after that. Like there's this constant fear that if I don't make it through this month, I'll never make it through anything else. If I don't make it through this challenge, I'll never make it through anything else. See, the opposite of faith that you are going to make it through is the fear that you won't. Which in many ways is acknowledging that you aren't created who God made you to be. Does that make sense? And I was taken to the story of Jacob and Esau and how Jacob gave up his birthright. And it's actually in Hebrews it actually says, let me just go there quickly. It says that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become a profane person as Esau did, who sold his own birthright for a single meal, which is that premature relief, that temptation. You see, Esau gave up his name so that he could in a moment be relieved. He, he could have even asked for soup. How many of you know that? He could have said, hey, can I have some soup? And then if Jacob said no, like any good brother would. No, you can't play with my car. It's my car. Right? I've got kids. I'm hearing in their voices. Daddy! 
Hai patai kariki. Right? And then Isu could have gone, all right, bro, I tell you what, if you give me soup, I'll go and hunt you a springbok. He could have traded that. But in that moment, he traded his entire birthright. He gave up in his premature relief his entire nature, his name. For premature relief, for two minute noodles. Which aren't really two minute noodles, it takes like five minutes to make them anyway. <laughs> KG agrees. He's like, yes, I know the struggle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And he gave up his entire birth. And, and, and here, interestingly enough, I mean, he, Hebrews 12 verse 16 speaks about those two things as being equally bad. That sexual vice, sexual temptation is equivalent to giving up your birthright. Is equivalent to not trusting God that you can do it. That God created you in a specific way. That God created you with a specific purpose and a specific calling. And I realize that it's when I doubt myself that we open the door for temptation. And last week we spoke about the cover. The problem that we want everyone to see. So that we can hide all the problems no one can see. Remember? We, we, we like to talk about, you know, how's it going? No, no, I've, I've got this problem, hey. And, and we like to talk about it. Because if we talk about the problem, hey, then we don't talk about the condition of the heart. We don't dig deeper down to find out what is it that I can fix? Because we have a problem. And we point people to the problem the whole time. Oh, you know, if it wasn't for that, then I would be so and so. And so here God is saying, <laughs> come on, he, he's saying, don't sell your birthright. Don't give up your name. I know this feels heavy, but it's like in the end of the New Testament, man. <laughs> Hebrews was written in... Hebrews is my favorite book in the Bible. It's something that opens up the door to understanding the mystery of who Jesus is and who we are. And you know what? It's not a mystery anymore. That's, that's what I see that picture of Harry's is where the diamond wasn't clear but you've been set into that stone as a signet ring on Jesus' very hand and that diamond it's, it's we, us, has been polished to become clear and for the first time in history let me tell you what, for the first time 
in history, the church is awakening to its identity and calling. And the revelation we've been privileged to have heard of and then to have been a part of and then to see how it affects our lives is so new and so fresh and opening up so many new understandings of how we're supposed to be. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. And there's just a sense of freedom and an understanding of what God's favor is amongst man and with God. Is that good? Ephesians 3 says, For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so I thought about that going into communion. And I was like, God, how are we going to do communion today? <laughs> and, and what do you want us to do while, or what, what do you want to release while doing communion? And I just had a sense that communion today was about obviously eating the body of Jesus Christ and drinking his blood. But in that, to take on the name of the Father for your family. Yeah, it says every family in heaven and on earth is named according to the Father. And so I just, I'm praying in, in our church, I'm praying in our community, that we're going to see families who rise up with the name of the Father like they never, ever, ever have before. <laughs> We're going to see what it looks like when families have breakthrough. We're going to see what it looks like when families have that courage in their eyes. I've seen it. I've seen people come into this door looking very afraid. And then three, four months later having a new sparkle. Having a new something going on in their lives. Having a new, just because God has done something and they've taken on, maybe not even on purpose, but just by being in this, in this area, in this, in, in this presence, in this environment, they've taken on something of the nature of God for their lives. And so God wants to release that kind of a courage. It's our last week. Next week I won't speak about breakthrough, I promise. <laughs> but I felt that God wanted to do something in our families with bread and with wine. And that as we break the bread, Harry and Claudia are going to break bread for us. You guys are welcome to go so long. <laughs> They're going to just serve us. And as they break bread, I, I know that they've had many breakthroughs in their lives with regards to different things. Yet, they're still trusting for breakthroughs. You've had breakthroughs. But I just felt that they're going to serve us today, break bread for us. And even as they're breaking the bread now, they're touching 
a part of your life and touching a part of your family and handing to you an identity in Jesus Christ. Is that good? Can we go with that? Is that awesome? All right, let's just stand. I'm going to make some declarations. Cool. All right, these are just powerful declarations which we can all make together. So let's just declare with us. I declare that through your love, I am going to fulfill my ministry assignment on earth. I declare that you have called me to love people as my destiny and have given me a calling of ministry to reach them and have an impact that will change lives. I declare strategies for love to invade our mission. Wow, that's just that, that presence that we just felt in soaking time. I just felt like God was just releasing that love. I declare breakthrough. Power to come against the work of the enemy in our region by filling it with your purpose and will. I declare breakthrough success in areas that have been confused and compromised in our community or our mission focus. I declare breakthrough resources so we can do everything you have called us to do. I declare breakthrough favor so that we can reach everyone we were called to with your great love. Come on, God, just bring favor. Thank you, Jesus, for that in every one of our lives. I declare breakthrough ingenuity to do things that have never been done before through my assignment. Come on, thank you, Jesus, for ingenuity. (laughs) I declare breakthrough in the ability to reproduce people. Okay, let's do that one again. I declare breakthrough in our speech. Thank you, Jesus Christ. All right. (laughs) I declare breakthrough in the ability to reproduce people. Spiritual impact and transformation. I declare that you won't just add to our ministry or church or calling, but that you will multiply it in Jesus' name. Come on. So as we break bread, we're asking that God will multiply bread in our lives. Amen? (laughs) And that this isn't just a one-time communion, but it is something that will multiply. So, Father, we just thank you that we can come and break bread in your presence. Thank you that you have given us the specific mandate to break bread and to drink wine. And that by doing that, there is a supernatural effect on our lives, and there is a supernatural influence and breakthrough that takes place. And thank you that you're multiplying every aspect of of our lives. Thank you for the increase of your presence. We pray your name over every single family in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.